I've been told by everybody up on this roof that they're all off the roof. I am on the roof of Exposure 4. Got fire through the roof of the fire building in the entire rear section. Welcome to Old School. I'm Chief Rick Lasky, along with my good buddy. I'm John Salka. And uh, here we are again. Uh, we've, we've, we've gotten some great feedback on, on our shows already. And guys, we have a ton more coming. We're just trying to space them out, give people a chance to download them, get them going. But we'll, we're going to keep adding them for you. Uh, you know, you and I uh, um, have been teaching a long time. We've been teaching, and, and, and we've always said it's an honor and a privilege to get out there and visit with people and share and and we learn, we, we've said all the time, we, we learn when we're teaching. People come up and say things and talk to us. But it, it, the, the one point I guess I want to make, John, and, and I, I think you agree with me, in fact, I know you do, is that, that training is the backbone behind every, training is the backbone behind every successful fire department. How much effort you put into it, how, how much work, how much sweat equity, if you would. Um, you know me, my, one of my favorite sayings is every day is a training day. You know, I don't care what day of the week you've talked about it with Jay Jonas. Doesn't matter if it's Monday or Sunday, we're going to do training today or tonight or whatever. But let, let's you know, let's do that. Let's talk about let's talk about uh, every day is a training day. And and so, in fact, some of the, there's some things that are pretty easy that you could do in your in your own firehouse. You don't even need a training tower, right? You know what? You're right. And 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 both of us since our retirements have been traveling around both together. You know, and and individually as well, doing some programs. We, we get talking about training a lot when we do our company officer academy, which is one of our things we do together, which we love doing. And one of one of the messages that I deliver, and I, and I know and I and you do too, um, is that who benefits more? You know, let's get into that company officer academy message, but but it's really for everybody. But who, who benefits more from a well trained company than a guy sitting up with a gal sitting up in the front seat than a company officer? Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. obviously the public, and we all know it's them. It's, it's the folks out there that are paying the bills and, and, and driving through and going to school and working in our districts and our towns. Those are the people that benefit certainly the most when, when we have a well-trained company or a shift. But, but right after them, the next person that benefits the most is the company officer, the guy or the gal, the man or the woman riding up in the front seat, commanding the unit, whether it's a three-person unit, four-person, five-person, five-five-hundred company, whatever it is, big city, small city, volunteer, career, combination, you know, a well-trained shift, a well-trained group of firefighters on, on, a, on an apparatus responding to a, a call of any kind, emergency, a highway incident, a fire, a well-trained unit performs well, they perform safely, they, they put a good, a good image on for the fire department, they, they, they're a great product for the, for the community, they, they, they help the community in every way, shape, and form. So when we start talking about training, and, and I talk about how training just really is insidious. It really is involved in every element of what we do. Training is important for everything. Yeah, you, you have to train. You have to train how to train for crying out loud, right? You have to train how to train. You can't just go out there and, and wing it. You got to know what you're doing. There's preparation involved. You got to get materials and, and and I know what you were sort of alluding to a few minutes ago was 
every every bit of training that you do doesn't have to be uh, fire academy based, gigantic pieces of equipment like forcible entry, uh, you know, doors and, and stuff, which and, are great. Don't those get me are, wrong. Yeah, those are all great and fine, but not everybody has that. And 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 some of the individual firehouses don't have the ability right. to make it to the training center all the time. My my, my little volunteer firehouse, the South Bloomer Grove Fire Department that, that I'm the chief of right now, is is one of those places. We we don't have we don't have a training budget at all. I'm not saying we don't spend any money on training, but we don't have a, a budget line for training. You know, we send when we send people to do stuff and we buy we we buy stuff when we need to, including equipment to build little things or whatever. But we don't have this whole garage full of props or anything like that. But you and I have discovered through traveling around, and, and we say it all the time, that we, we learn as much at, at our places that we visit to train as, as we hope we provide them with information as well. But there's a lot of ways you can train, and, and, and we'll start talking about them right now. One of my, one of my favorite ways is, and, and I, I know I mentioned uh, Tim Klett from 88 Engine, one of, my, one of my favorites. One of your favorites. One of my hey, favorite he's, he's, there's a great picture of him in our leadership book. Absolutely. Great engine officer, really performs, really trains, really, really spends a lot of time with his guys. And, and one of the things I have in their firehouse is a single piece of plywood. It's not even a full 4x8 sheet. It's a single, it's almost about a half sheet. It's a 4x4 four four piece of plywood with two or three different size holes cut in the plywood. So at the bottom is sort of a narrow, wide, but not very high rectangular opening that when you, when you put the opening against the floor, you'd have to crawl on your belly with an SCBA off, either ahead of you or dragging behind you to go through it. And then have a larger opening that you can rotate the, 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 the same piece of plywood around and put that one against the floor. And they just have four big metal clamps that they clamp it to the, to the doorway between the two bunk rooms, the engine bunk room and the truck bunk room. And there you have a reduced profile. You have an SCBA, emergency procedure, the reduced profile. You have a training prop. From a sheet it's of a plywood. single piece of plywood <laughs> with four metal clamps. And, they, and when they undo it, they take the clamps down, they slide the four clamps and the piece of plywood under the bed that's closest to, to the doorway between the two rooms. Talk about something that's practically free, you know I mean, it's not very expensive at all, and can provide hours and hours, repetitive hours and hours of a pretty pretty important, you know, tactic. Oh my God, you know, and, and again, you know, if you get jammed up, sometimes it's not, it's just a matter of all right, going back out, something fell, something happened, and just, you know, it's not a big deal. I need to sling my pack or move it sideways or get through a narrow opening. I, I, we talked about Jeff Welch, our buddy. I remember Jeff when he was the chief up in, in Hayden, Idaho, you know, Northern Lakes now, great fire department north of Coeur d'Alene. You've been up there. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, looked at, he looked at his firefighters in the training room. They are all sitting there talking. And uh, then he up in the kitchen, and he, he, he's in, back in the training room, and he's looking at one of the, the, the chairs at one of the tables. And they were talking about SCBAs and stuff like that. He goes, well, I, I could I could call right through that I could call right through the legs of that chair with my gear, and my air pack on. They're like, get out of here! And I knew where he was going with this because Jeff used to crawl through the scupper hole of the burn buildings down at U of I oh to make gosh. a point. He used to go, you want to see me get through there? And he would do it. And he would doff his pack. He'd push it ahead of him through the scupper hole. You know, left arm through, right arm back, you know, that little narrow thing, and wow. boom, 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 done. Hope he made some money doing that. I hope he made some bets <laughs> with some guys. He used to be on America's Got Talent. But, uh, <laughs> but no, so he, he, and he made his point. He put his gear on, came back with his air pack, he's masked up, boom, 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 dop, and, and there he goes through the, through the chair. So you're, you're talking about a single sheet of plywood, and that's, that's the creativity of Tim Klett. That's, that's just the kind of guy he is, the company officer. Dedicated company officer. Like we said, always thinking about their people. I told you once, remember Sal Marchese from your job? Oh, yeah. uh, 142 truck, um, one, truck, 111 truck. You know, they, I remember going to the commissary. Yes, 
I remember going to I remember going to and I love you and I, I love Sal and he is a funny sob man. He is a fun, a gentleman and a funny oh, yes. guy. Oh yes. And I remember going to the commissary <laughs> with him there, and we walked in and me and, and Curtis Burt and we walk in. And the guy behind the counter looks and kind of smiles and goes, ah, "There's Sal Marcrazy. Sal Marcrazy." But what an, what a what, first of all what a great controlled aggressive officer with his guys. Great great truck officer. All right, and, and the, uh, but he, I remember the drill, and I remember we're in, uh, we're in Queens, right at Spire House. Um, I want to say two, 285 engine, 285, but 142 truck, nice tower ladder, and, and the weather got kind of crappy, and they're talking about drilling stuff, and he told one of his guys, go out and get the, anyway, this guy comes dragging like a railroad tie in, an old, you know, railroad tie, and, and he brings in the middle of the bay, and the guys are in their t-shirts and shorts, and, and it was one of these things where, he, he told the guy, go get the airbags, go get the cribbing, go get this stuff. And they came back, and, and he says, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have an airbag drill. And he says, all right, everybody look down. You see you see that you three guys right here, you're going to work as a team to extricate your patient. Your patient is pinned. See this beam right here? This railroad tie. This could be a steel beam. This, this right now has your victim's legs pinned. Your job together as a team is going to take those airbags, that cribbing, even those wedges, and everything else to start with, you need to work as a team. You need to raise that railroad tie seven to nine inches. And he takes out his tape measure goes, zoop, seven to nine inches so we can remove your victim from underneath the railroad tie. All right, no, don't, don't walk away yet, guys. Wait, wait, wait. You see this big, this big plastic Batman, Batman, like the Sonic big plastic drink cups, beverage cups, the big ones? He goes, I'm going to fill this with water, you know, about two-thirds of the way up. It's going in the middle of the beam. As you're raising the beam off your victim's legs, if you spill any water, you just crushed your patient's legs. And there was the challenge. And I'm telling you, John, the guys were like, I'm on your toe down, moving up, easy, easy, doing stuff, and then give me another piece of cribbing, get a wedge in it. And, it and, and I'm like, oh my God. And I remember walking in, we did that drill. I, I actually called it, what we used to call it, we used to call the Sal drill for straight and level after Sal Marchese. And I remember, you know, Louisville, the guys, because well, you know, all you got to do is go to a landscaper or go to go to the railroad yard or the railroad. They'll give you, they'll give you, um, uh, like, used or brand new railroad ties. You stick them oh, off sure. somewhere where they're not an eyesore. And when it's crappy weather or whatever, you drag it inside. The guys need to put their stuff on. Maybe, you know, put their gloves on if you want, whatever. But, if but the companies use them to put behind the back wheels. And when you back in, it stops you. It stops the, it stops the rig from Exactly. So they pull this thing in. And I remember coming into Louisville, one of our firehouses, and the guys, it was out of control. They were on a stepladder, and it was almost like that game Jenga. They kept going. They didn't just do the seven to nine inches with the cribbing. They kept raising it and raising it and raising it. I'm like, this is, well, we, we, I don't know, I guess we just got carried away. Right, it became right. a challenge. How far can we raise it sure. without spilling the cup of water? And I went, that, you know, that's not in a training manual. That, think that's, of all the skills they were practicing, how to gently... Well, Activate the valves going up slowly, slowly. Communication skills, no, down on the red, down on the red, up on the yellow, up, 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 yellow, stop, stop, stop. And John, just like any other time we train, right? We do a hazmat drill, what happens the very next day? Hazmat incident. Oh, isn't that funny? So so mm -hmm. they do that training later on that evening underneath the 121 bypass, the, the overpass for I-35 overpass over 121, State Highway 121. We had a motorcyclist. Put it down and slid under, got pinned underneath the, underneath the semi. Guess what they had to do? Airbags. And it was like, before you could say, get the 
I mean, and, and, and all from a railroad tie and a plastic cup on filled with water floor. on, on the apparatus floor. floor. Well, yeah. you, 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 we use a picture um, uh, from uh, uh, when you were in 18th Battalion. Oh, in my, in my firehouse in the Bronx. In the kitchen. Yes, you know what? That was a great idea. I can't remember what officer had that idea that night, but I was working. And uh, it, it was a great, great 45 engine, 58 truck, and a 1.8 up there on Tremont Avenue. Well, one of my, you know, gosh, I worked in all great places. I can't even say one of my favorite firehouses. They were all great, but gosh, what a great place. Those are, you Certainly got great the place guys. I spent the longest time. Mike Scotto. In the job. Oh, Mike Scotto. Joe Precipio. Oh, well, huh. one, is better, one is better than the next. And so that night there we were sitting, and, and, and dinner was wrapping up. I think it was a winter evening. It was cold outside, maybe raw, maybe crappy and wet. <clears throat> and... Uh, Somebody brought it up. Now, something may have happened locally. Something may have happened at, at a fire recently where something like that happened. But it ended up being, you know, the Rit Pack. It ended up being that, you know, the Rit Pack, which is, you know, the name of a particular manufacturer. But it doesn't really matter. It's that, it's that, that spare air bag that we can bring in when we're the Rit team, right? Because right. and, and, we often have to provide air to a, a trapped or disabled or, or uh, in trouble firefighter. So anyway, and, and, and they made it so simple. One of them said, uh, Billy, Billy, go outside, get fully geared up, SCBA on, face piece, helmet, everything, gloves, come on back in here, fully geared up. And what they did was they put them on the floor inside the kitchen. And, and, the, and the picture literally is a kitchen picture. You see the kitchen table and all the guys Some of the guys are sitting on the kitchen know? table. Right. And, and, and uh, they, they put one guy down on the floor in the middle. Then he picked two other guys. I think, I think it was two truck guys, but it doesn't matter. It could be any two firefighters. And he said, guys, go outside. Just grab the, your gloves, your regular work gloves, your fire gloves. And, and, and a hood. And each grabbed the hood. They came in, they put the hood on backwards so that so their visibility was, was obscured. And they just put the gloves on. Th that's all. We just wanted to obscure their visibility and, 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 and limit their dexterity. Put on their real gloves that they really would be wearing. And we told them, bring in the rip pack. So they brought the rip pack in. We told them, on your hands and knees right there at the door. Okay, crawl into this room. There's a down firefighter. We want you to, one, find him. We want you to, two, report. You're not even wearing a radio, but report. You know, lot of 5-8 can't uh, command, lot of 5-8 can't, lot of 5-8. We found the down firefighter, 10-4. Is he on air? Then we want you to determine if he was still on air or not. And if he wasn't, we want you to fix it. And I'll tell you what, boy, did they do a bang-up job. They did a bang-up job. They couldn't. And, and you're actually seeing them feeling the head. They're feeling his shoulder. Is that his shoulder? Or is that his hindquarters? Is that his head? And it really took them a while to find the fact that he, that he had... And, and, and gosh, you could do a lot of variations. Face piece on, but regulator out, not on air. And you got to fix that. Face piece off and no helmet on. you got to fix that. Go back to the rib pack. Turn the rib pack on, or unless they turned it on when they went in, find the, the new clean face piece out of the rib pack and get it on them with the chin cup in the proper position. And I must admit, we timed it. And the timing wasn't great. The t the, it, was, it was maybe too many, too many minutes. And if I remember, if like, I remember right, <clears throat> you know, unlike some places... Your guys took their stuff off and said, "I'm we're do, we're doing this again." Right, God, that wasn't good. We got to do that fast. Right, they. Oh my God, I and mean, they did it. They did it two or three times that night. God, it, it turned out to be well over an hour drill. We thought it was going to be a quick fifteen minute. It was well over an hour. They did it a couple of times, and and they knocked several minutes off each time they did it, just from a little hands-on drill in the kitchen of the firehouse on the floor of the dining room. It was just, it was just fantastic. Talk about impromptu. That was zero. That was zero props. That was zero equipment purchased or bought. All we did was use a firefighter in full gear, and other firefighters used two pieces of their equipment and practice a skill that's a life-saving skill. And the discussion that follows, or usually follows, or even ahead of time is like, see, this is why you never take your mask off when you're inside. Right. If you run out and you suck every last bit of air out, I'll snap your right, don't take your mask off. Why? Right. Yeah. Because when we find you, please don't make us try to put a whole damn mask 
Take your helmet off. Take your hood. Oh, whatever. Maybe your helmet. Maybe it's all That's off. One of our lessons. Try in the smoke underneath. Let's forget. Just okay. It's great in here. The building's on fire. It could be very hostile, and you're going to sit there and have to Mickey Mouse and play game. Leave your face piece on. So all they have to do is snap. Find the hole. Snap the regulator and, and get and your butt out, get there. You out of there. And 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 you're talking mm -hmm. a kitchen floor drill. And 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 that's what I said when we talk about every day is a training day. You know, and, it's, and we're blessed. Some places have the props that guys have made stuff out in the backyard or in the back of the firehouse, you know, fourth century, things like that, homemade stuff. The guys are in the trades, you know, that kind of, but not everybody has that ability. And you don't, you don't, you don't need to have something that big to train. And how many times have we heard people say when we talk about it's the company officer's responsibility to not just train their people to what the training division puts out to come up with more stuff. You should be training above and beyond what your train division sends out monthly for the for the for the calendar for the topics. Same thing as a volunteer department. It's not just drill night. I'm going back up there Tuesday night to you know all that all those different things. You know I'm I'm going to do some extra stuff with Tommy and Cindy and all that stuff. Oh, coming back from a run, coming back exactly. from a run one afternoon on a Saturday, you're coming back from a car fire out on the highway, and all of a sudden you stop, you pull over to look at something, or you talk about the incident you, you just had on the highway before you roll away. You say, "Wow." These are those cylinders. These are those pressure cylinders we're talking about on the hood or on a hatchback of a, of a vehicle that can that can overpressurize during well, a fire. You know exactly. And when they tell you exactly when they, when they tell you, they go, "Well, you know, training didn't send me something. There's nothing to train on." And you and I, you've heard me talk about this, and I did it. I did it as a train officer. I came up with two a week, two times, two different drills a week for a year, and I didn't run out of topics with one fire engine. Give me one pumper. Thank you, right? Give me one pumper, and I will give you, oh, my God, I could take up half the year just with hose and SCBAs. Forget the tools. Really, you have nothing to train with? you got a whole fire engine full of stuff out there. You know, just pick your topic. And if you don't know your stuff, shame on you. You should if you're the boss. And that's actually going through and opening a compartment, maybe, and taking a particular tool out, like a hearse tool or the action of Halligan or whatever it might be, the saw. One night at South Bloomin Grove, one of the officers gathered all the young firefighters around the ladder truck, ladder 589, old Seagrave, old FDNY rig, as a matter of fact, old FDNY 100-foot rear mount aerial, 1981 vintage Seagrave. Wow. It was 24 truck, midtown Manhattan, 24 truck. And uh, we, had to, we had to purchase that from a guy that bought them and refurbed them. Make a long story short, it's... Pretty much the same configuration it used to be. They took the whole phone booth off of it. But so, so what he would do is he gather everybody around. He went to the first compartment, right behind the uh, chauffeur's side crew cab door where the firefighters climb in. He went to the next compartment back, right there. <clears throat> Didn't open it. He asked the group, "Okay, fellas, Billy, what's in this compartment? Name one thing in this compartment. Um, forceful entry tools, action halogen. Good. Frank, name something else that's in this compartment." Oh, um, Wait a minute, he took the easy one. <laughs> right. Oh, but it got harder and harder. Bolt cutters. There's two sets of bolt cutters in there. Oh, he said, bolt cutters. How many sets? Uh, oh, two. Okay, good. Frank, what do you think? What else is in here? There's more in there? Yes, Frank, there's more in here. There's not just those two things. What else? And let me tell you, he went through compartment by compartment. And there's, oh, might be maybe four or five compartments on each side of the rig on the, on the body. Never mind up in the crew cab where they carry stuff. It took them most of the evening. Because they and I must admit, I was there that night, and I stopped by, and I listened in. <clears throat> there were a couple of compartments where after everything was named, then he would open it up, and they would take out, okay, Billy, there's your irons. Oh, there's your ball cutters. Three sets. You were wrong. And it's you like, said two. It's like magic. Where did all this other stuff come from? What's this? 
What's in the red box, boys? All of a sudden they opened up and it was a little old hydraulic tool that was in there. A little old little spreader, little hydraulic tool. I said to myself, holy cow, I forgot that was in there. So there we are going through six or eight or ten compartments over the course of a because couple of hours. Because most of the time, sometimes, I mean, I think a lot of places, you don't necessarily pay attention to it because you get the inventory sheet. We're supposed to do monthly or whatever inventories, not just rig checks. And, it, John, okay, check, 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 and you go through, and you really don't pay attention. And I think the outcome of that drill is not I can get the tools quicker. We're not playing hippie hop at the barbershop like the Three Stooges used to do, run around a rig, open and slam in compartment doors trying to find stuff. You know, it, it's you and I see that. On oh videos my once in a while. God! We it's watch like videos like somebody says, "Hey, go to Facebook, go to YouTube, and look at this video." And you look at it, and it's a good job, a daytime fire at a, at a private dwelling. You see a rig roll up, and you're like, "Wow, you guys are right on pretty fast." Off the rig they are, and they all got a little bounce in their step. You're like, "Oh, this is look like it's going good." And then you see the guy going to a compartment, and he walks away and leaves them open. Then he goes to the next click one. Boom, click and, boom. And, and click boom. And walks away. Goes to the next one. <laughs> and we're like, oh "My God, this guy just opened five compartments." And then you see him. Finally, kind of like with a nozzle or something like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, it, look at the time. Look at the time that's ticking by while somebody's looking for yeah. something that they should know. And we're not talking about, you know, we move stuff around and, oh, sh it's in this other one. Right. We're talking. Five compartments. We, we don't know where the stuff's at. And, and, and this goes back, you and I have said it before. The, uh, you know, here, here's another topic the basics rule. The basics rule, man. We're so busy. We've said this on this show. We're so busy jumping on helicopters or carabiners. We can't stretch hose. We can't force a door. We can't crawl on our hands and knees. We can't run a saw. We can't. We're busy with all the fancy llama dama, as Jack Picasso would say, all that llama dama bat belt shit. But we, we, but we, we don't have the time to, to, to understand what tools we have and what they can do, and what. It, it's like um, we talked, and, and it was it was tra there. There was a couple reasons he made you do it. Um, Training wise, uh, talk about the uh, the brass the brass couplings and the and the uh, milk yeah, crate. Yeah, you know, and I and I and that's I wrote a great this. story. I, I I wrote an article for Vi House magazine years ago. It's got to be a couple of years ago. I've been doing that article for a long time now, and it was uh, it it was about when I, when I was first appointed to the FDMY in Midtown Manhattan. One of the jobs every week was the you know the the left rear compartment had an old plastic milk box full full of brass fittings. Take them out, take them all out of the box. Put the brasso on them, smear it on there, let it all dry, and then take the soft cloth and buff them all up. And boy, did those old brass fittings shine. Boy, did they shine in real life. Take them all out, buff them all up. Back in the box they go, back in the compartment. Move on. Like, why are we doing this? Oh, I guess we want to keep them nice. And I, a couple of times I happen to be working like two Mondays in a row. And I'm like, boy, these look as shiny now as they did last week when I put them back away. And now I'm taking them out and I'm polishing them again. And after a while, I started to ask myself, because I never asked anybody else, why am I still doing this? But I asked myself, why am I doing this? <laughs> And then one day, up in the office, I'm up in the office, and the captain is sitting at the desk, and he's on the phone with somebody talking about something, and I was up in the office doing something for the captain or something I needed, putting, putting a piece of paper away or whatever. But, um, and all of a sudden he said, Gee, I'm not exactly sure how many of those double males or females we have on the rig. I'll have to have one of the probe. Oh, hold on a second. I, I got one of them here. So, okay. How, how many double males, how many double females we got in the box in the compartment? The stuff you polish every week. Oh, you got six males and, and, and seven females, Captain. Okay, oh, we get six and seven, six males and seven, seven females, and I had the I had the answer right on the tip of my tongue, and, and I had never really consciously knew, memorized. You it. knew if there was a burr all of a sudden on one of them, right? Right, or it was out around exactly. Oh, this one doesn't really spin the, very the well. The smallest or, little flaw, you're like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, that doesn't feel right. Familiarity, just from handling them every weekend. All the assignment was was to polish them, not memorize them, not make sure they're spinning well. But, but just getting them in your hands every week served a dual and, purpose. And that's you know? why that's why when I used to watch Curtis Burt, 
and I'd watch, or my guys, I'll just, I keep bragging on my guys a little slow, but I have to because it's true, all right? You walk on the floor, and they're over there rewrapping tools. And they didn't like how they did, you know, the, the, the clothesline cord, you know, the, the barbershop yeah, thing around the, yeah. the tool, and then the, the friction tape on top, and then we use the different colors for the different rigs and all that stuff. And Or they just go to a job, and they're like, other place, like, well, we'll, we'll retape it next after that. No, they come back, they're out, but they're handling the tools, they have them in their hands. And when you talk about the compartment thing, I remember one of my bosses saying once, I, you know, he used to do the same thing, what's in the compartment? What's in the compartment? What's in the compartment? You know, we had an old guy, they would take open up a compartment, they asked him what's in there, I don't know. They'd open up, make him talk about it, they'd close it, what's in there? I don't know. He was just having fun with them and everything else. It's one thing to say what's in there. And if you know, we understand how adults learn, right? With seeing, saying, doing all that kind of stuff. Well, what, what's in there, Rick? Now I'm going to talk. This, 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 and this, and this. Okay. I'm going to open it up. I'm going to take them out. You know, I see the stuff. I, I'm looking at it. I'm going to take them out. I'm just going to put my hands on Take them out. Put them down. Pick them. Okay. And then I'm going to put them back in there. It's just how they were. So everything fits better. So, so not only was I reciting it, I open up. I'm looking at them. And then I'm putting my hands on them. putting them back in there. The redundancy... You know, the whole, and I know it sounds goofy, but I used to, when I teach instructor one, I, I've said this in class, if I ever, I used to say, if I ever hear the words, the names Abraham Maslow and his motivational pyramid of hierarchy needs or Edward R. Thorndike's laws of learning, how adults are different from children, I was going to vomit, okay? And then I realized that stuff is real. The, it's the legit. Motivational pyramid, that's how people live, that the, the human race. And, and the laws, how adults are different from children and stuff, and I'm like, Oh, that, so that's why we do repetition. That's why we do stuff over and, and over again. That's why when you go through driver's ed and your mom and dad riding around with your kids out there teaching them how to drive, that's why driving and driving and driving, getting hands on experience, practicing driving, practicing the three point turn, practicing parking. That's why all that hands-on training gets you good at it. The same thing with picking up those tools every Wednesday night at the Volunteer Firehouse on drill night, picking up the halogen, picking up the axe, putting them back together, carrying them around a little bit, taking them apart, putting them back in the compartment, even just taking them out to, to, to steal wood, putting your air pack off, on. and put a little bit of oil putting on Putting your air pack on for every run, every alarm, where all of a sudden you know that, oh, something ain't right. I could feel it before I even put my, my arm into this pack or whatever. You know, the muscle memory, right? I know just, a place that... They disallowed. They disallowed SCBAs from being checked on the apparatus. Nope. You're not allowed to check the rigs on the apparatus. You have, you have to pull the SCBA out of the bracket, stand outside the rig, check it, turn it on, turn it off, take a breath, let it bleed down, and then stick it back in the compartment. You're not allowed to check it when it's in when it's in its bracket. Why? Because that gets everybody used to handling everything backwards, opposite with their oh. left hand and their right hand. You know, and, and if you do it a hundred times, now you expect now you expect the pass along to be on your left because that's a hundred times you checked it, it's on your left-hand side. Exactly, and we're talking every day's a training day, right? There's really, I'll just say, there's no excuse. And, 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 and the only excuse I think is valid is when you had some pretty busy, busy damn days in the Bronx, and we've talked about this in class. We always say this, talk about this in class, because use it as, as, as an example, saying there was times we were just so busy between that and trying to catch the meal or run out and grab something that we didn't get to it. But next workday or next drill night, what was the or meeting night? What was the first thing we did at the top of the list was, let's get our training done. And it was still okay because if you were so busy that you didn't get the drill, that you didn't get the train that day, then you were probably on the rig and handling your SCBA ten times and jumping off and pulling a couple of pieces of hose and packing it back in. So even though 
you didn't get a chance to train because you were so busy, then, then the activity, then the experience that you gained that day to some degree replaced it, and you, and you still got a lot of stuff done that And day. the guys that try to do this too quick, we've talked about this as well, speed, first of all, speed kills in a fire service, apply to any driving, backing, whatever, but if you want to be fast at something, speed comes with efficiency, efficiency comes with training, training, you know, that all equals the muscle memory. You do it over and over and over again, and it becomes just like you don't even know you're doing it. You're talking to the chief and you're masking up. All right, I got you. Put the click, boom, 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 off you go. Instead of where's this, where's that. The so last so class that we did, for, for some reason, it came up. We Somebody talked about the handcuff knot, and, and I chimed in. I remember saying, who can tie the handcuff knot right now, right now, right now? We're in a class. Raise your hand. And, you know, about half the people in the class raised their hand, and I was... I was sort of happy that half the class had their hand up, but I was a little at the same time disappointed that something as really basic and simple as a handcuff knot, I said, you should be able to be showing me the handcuff knot while you're talking to me, while you're saying, no, 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 that's not where it is. Take, take that, that half-inch wrench and put it on that knot right over there. You should be able to tie a handcuff knot for the guy next to you. Show him why you're looking at something else. It, it should almost be an unconscious skill, never mind having a train to do it. But, but you do have to train to do it. You know, it, training it, is it. the bottom line anyway. It is. Training training breeds, breeds, breeds. I'm going to tell you, you want to be excellent, you want to be great. The best baseball teams, the best football teams, the best hockey teams, the best whatever, don't get that way by just, well, we'll just take a chance. What do you think? You want to go out there and pitch today? When's the last time you pitched? Oh, God, it's probably been six months or a year. I can't remember the last time I threw a curveball. Well, let's just go see what happens. No, 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 no. The military doesn't do it. Well, when's the last time? Well, we, we trained with that rifle, didn't we, uh, Gunny? Wasn't that probably three years ago? No. Let me, let me tell you a quick story. I, I know we're running low on time, but I'm going to give you a quick one anyway. My son's in the military captain in the U.S. Marine Corps, active duty guy. But I remember when he was a reservist, you know, I used to say, listen, James, I, I know when you're a reservist, you do that one weekend a month where you go and you go and you do your training weekend, and then during the summer, like two weeks. But I said, but now that you're active duty, now, now you're a lieutenant in the active duty Marine Corps. You're working five days a week. You're working permanent full, to full-time job. What do you do all the other hours of the week? And you know what his answer was? Train. We train. Train. That's right. And, 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 and they prepare to train, and they get ready to train, and then they evaluate the training, and then they reschedule more training, and they train. So what, what better group to, 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 to model yourself after than the U.S. Marines? How about the little video, the video clip from We Were Soldiers with Mel Gibson, all right, you know, the role he was playing, and Sam Elliott, and he said, when he said, you know, Sergeant Major, you know, you know and us, we you know, we sure hope you like training, because Sergeant or you know, Sergeant Major and I we love it, <laughs> we love training. And I mean, hey, if you're into the job, it it, it comes second nature. You know what I'm saying? So Absolutely. every day's a training day. Absolutely. Hopefully, hopefully everybody who's listening feels the same way about training that we do. And we just scratch the surface on topics, and there, you know, this is more or less just you know what the whole point of of, to, uh, of today's podcast was. Every day's a training day. Make every day a training day. Sorry, Absolutely. ten minutes, five minutes. Hour, two hours, doesn't matter. Make every day a training day. You never go wrong. All right, buddy. Hey, if they want to get a hold of you, how can they get a hold of you? Chief John Salka <laughs> at gmail.com. And I'm Chief, I'm, at Chief, I'm Chief Lasky at gmail.com. Give us a shout if we can ever do anything for you. Uh, thanks again for, for, for listening in, and we've got a lot more. Just, just you know what, get used to it. There's a ton of these coming your way. Um, we never end any of our shows without, without and we'll, we'll say it for the we'll, we'll say it long after the manufacturers have quit putting all the stickers and decals on the rigs. And that is never forgetting means never forgetting. Be careful. God bless you. And see you next time.